Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. To say it was a week of a roller coaster just might be putting it mildly as we look at what's been happening. Never seen so much discussion about weather in my life in the last week as I've had a chance to talk to producers at a variety of different events. It is definitely the hot topic. Add to it, we know we've got a report coming out, supply and demand, August 12th. What's that going to do and how's that going to set the tone? But we got to get to August 12th first and there's a lot of markets to trade in between there. So we're going to bring Darren Fry into our conversation. He is with Water Street Solutions. And let's first of all talk about what we saw this week. Kind of a sideways pattern in this market. Is this something that we see could continue into next week, Darren? Well, we sure could. And thanks, Susan, for having me on again. I love being on Fontenelle Final Bell with you, and and it's always good. But uh, yeah, markets are trading sideways, you know, ever since really making highs back in May. We've been trading sideways, and uh, we have really a coiling up going on here as we move into this early August period, the August 12th WASD, and we just haven't broken out of, of this triangle, this sideways consolidation. So uh, we're going to break out. We have moving average compression, which just means a lot of different moving averages time frame wise are compressing together and what you get after that is moving average expansion and we're going to have a big move and the bears are hoping for down the bulls are hoping for up but something's going to give here because two months from now or a month from now we're not going to be trading in this price range this narrow sideways price range we're going to bust out one way or the other that's for sure well, having said that, let's look at this breakout that's headed our way. What should we as growers do to prepare for what's going to happen in the next, you know, four or five trading days? Well, I mean, uh, big things are going to happen. Either we're going to have a bigger crop and we're going to get a bearish USDA report here next Thursday. And the market is very susceptible to a move lower if that all occurs. Or we're going to come in here, you know, Sunday, Monday and hey, the rains were disappointing, we didn't quite get the coverage or the amounts, crops are going backwards out in the western Corn Belt, crops are still holding up pretty good out east, but people do need a rain out this way as well. And we're gonna find that the market has an upward bias and only fueled further by the USDA having to deal with the world balance sheet where we know they have some adjustments to make and maybe they even trim the yield a little bit after we saw uh, the old Informa and Stone X come out this week with lower yield estimates. So there's a lot that can go on here, but how the producer uh, should and can be prepared is just to make sure that his price risk is covered, maybe with some puts to the downside, or if he sold a lot of crop, maybe has some calls to the upside. Could we possibly expect some sort of uh, fireworks with this August 12th report? Oh, I think so. I, I'm i leaning toward it being bullish, even though it has a history of being bearish. I don't know how they could get it too bearish just because of the adjustments we need to make in the world side of the balance sheet with Brazil, knowing that the government's at 93 and we know that crop's closer to 85 or even less. We know that Russia's had some disappointing things happen in the last three weeks with their wheat yields, also with their acreage amount. They're, they lost 1.4 million hectares. We know Europe's even having some issues. I mean, the rose is, is blooms kind of off of that, you know, and, and they got some quality issues. And the Canadian crop's way too high still. So USDA's got some, some write-downs to do. And then who knows what they're going to do with our crop. Are they going to leave it at 179 and a half? I doubt they raise the yield, right? <laughs> I doubt it. Um, and maybe they have to lower it. And and I think that will all be supportive 
but yeah, fireworks are going to happen one way or the other on this report. I, I like the, the the chuckle of your "I doubt it," but you know this report is always throwing some some different curveballs at us, and we know that weather's been a big factor that could be looked as well in these numbers. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think the market is still trading supply. That's why we're coiling up. Um, we don't have the demand showing up yet. There have been a few boats uh, and a few announcements made and flash sales at 8 o'clock a.m. We saw one yesterday. We saw another one today. Yesterday was unknown destinations. Today was China. And I think we're going to see more of that. But I really think we're still trading supply because demand really hasn't shown its hand yet. And we're still arguing about, you know, hey, do we have 180 or do we have 175 or do we have less than that? And I think we're going to get another piece of that puzzle on August 12th. And when the Pro Farmer Tour goes out, uh, we're going to even know more because we're going to start getting some real field surveys here ahead of the September WASD. I'm glad you brought up the Pro Farmer Tour. It seems to be a little quieter than usual, uh, ramping up to what we're going to see in their numbers as they hit the fields. Yeah, it is It is pretty quiet. You know, the plant health looks pretty good out here. You know, I get a lot of reports from people that drive around, and, and even out west, things are holding together pretty good, and you hear that all the time. But I think what we're seeing when you get in the field is maybe something a little bit different, especially in the western Corn Belt, where we did not form those kernels after pollination when it was in the blister stage because of low moisture levels in the soil, because of no rain, maybe a little hotter weather. We aborted a lot of that, and some people are reporting now as they – pull back the husk. They got more tip back than they expected. We're going to see all that on the Pro Farmer Tour, and, and they do do a good job going in the fields, looking at things, and I'm excited to hear what they're going to find, and that'll all be, of course, after the August Wazi, but before the September report. And that September report, I think, will be a, maybe a little bit bigger and crazier than what we're going to see in this August. Yeah, I think so, too. This, the, the, the USDA will be out looking in fields at that point where this one is all through grower surveys and satellite data. So it'll be interesting as we move forward here in time. You know, it doesn't surprise me as, as, as we get ready to head to break here, Darren, that we have seen uh, more spray planes in the air. And we talked about this earlier this week, that there's a lot of crop concerns because of insects this year compared to other years, which in the end is going to have an effect on our yield and export opportunities. Yes, it will. It will. I know I know a lot of people didn't spray fungicides up in the Northwest because they didn't feel like it was worth investing into that, um, you know, extra money. But I know people now are putting on treatments because of bugs and pests and things that are attacking their corn. I know there's been a lot of aphid rise and things that people have been fighting. So, all right, we'll stick around, folks. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing our conversation with Darren Fry. Again, Darren is with Water Street Solutions. So we kind of hinted and talked a little bit in the first half about the weather. But really, dryness is not just one pocket like we've seen in past growing seasons. It seems like everybody has something of concern with their crops. Yeah, you know, the the weather has been all over the board, and, and there are these small pockets that have really been hammered by too much rain or not getting any rain at all. But really, there's been a lot of people that have caught a shower here or there. They've maintained some, some you know, good, viable plant health. But what I'm hearing from the West is just, hey, beans are really going downhill. Places like Minnesota, the Dakotas, parts of Iowa, Nebraska, dry land. Um, obviously, corn, we've seen a lot of tip back because of moisture deficits warm weather and and dryness and where these places have gotten really dry they just they just heat up more they get warmer so we've had that type of problematic uh, conditions out west 
out east it's it's really been about you know uh too wet lack of sunlight in a, in a few areas where we were under that uh cloud cover for so long through central illinois uh you got smoke out west that's another thing uh that's not going to take a lot of yield but hey the the plant is a, a a manufacturer of sugar and it needs photosynthate to needs photosynthesis to do that so the sun needs to be bright that's why we get great yields in nebraska when it's hot and dry and they can pump all the water on and got bright sun they get big yields under irrigation but the weather has just messed with everybody in some way we've had massive flooding in parts of missouri and they've lost crop in the bottoms uh, we saw that you know five six weeks ago and and so uh, there's very few places, maybe Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, where the weather's been almost ideal. Uh, but those are very few and far between. So that kind of leads into my my next question for you from a world standpoint. And, you know, we look at the world demand and the balance sheets. We've got to start seeing some changing in numbers coming from the USDA, especially with what we're hearing out of South America and even looking here in the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, that's exactly right, Susan. You know, when you if you go back to like a year ago and you look at the world balance sheets and you look at them as of the July WASD, we've lost about 55 million metric tons of corn and wheat off the world balance sheet. And uh, we're about ready to lop off another 15 or so. I don't know if the government does that all in one report, but if you take a look at what Brazil's uh, overage is compared to where um, you know, they really are. USDA's got them 93. They're probably more like 85. You look at Russia's crop that was 83, 85. I think uh, USDA's 85 on the wheat crop. They're probably in that 75, 77 range now. Uh, you know, Canada was really overestimated. And you start looking at all this, you can easily come up with 15 more million metric tons. And that's really why I have a bullish bias. I mean, you're contracting supplies around the world. And our supplies here, I, I don't know what the crop size is going to be, but there's a big difference between 172 and 179. And and that is a huge amount. It's another 12 to 14 million metric tons gone. And so I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm just saying we're still contracting supply. I haven't seen demand go anywhere. We haven't done the rationing we need to. And it really uh, leads us to kind of an upward bias in these markets as we see these revisions on supply and maybe demand stays static. Well, I know there's a lot that will be holding our breath until we actually see the rolling of the combines. I wanted to flip gears a little bit and, and look at it from a livestock perspective. Should there be some nervousness for these livestock guys if they haven't squared up their feed supplies for this fall and early winter? I think so. I, I mean, I'm I'm friendly. I think we're going higher. Uh, I think we're on another counter-seasonal move. You know, it's too early to say I'm right about that. But, you know, the market traded counter-seasonal a year ago when it's made it's it's low in soybeans in April of 20, and then it's low in everything else by August of 20. Uh, we started moving higher, and then we've seen a reverse in in wheat prices here. It's a strong seasonal, you know, for July to September to be down, and we've rallied wheat over a dollar in that time that it's supposed to be going down. So these counter seasonal moves are large, and I think we could have another one in corn and beans. What it would take is for China to show up here for the demand side, and for us to find out the crop isn't here. And then here we go again. And so if you're a livestock producer, and here we go again with higher prices, uh, we're going to move up from this mid-five level in corn to probably seven, seven fifty, eight bucks, somewhere in there. And so I'm still recommend livestock people at least cover out through, you know, mid-spring their feed needs, uh, whether it be meals really cheap compared to everything else because of oil shares. 
but I'd be getting the meal and the corn locked in. And I think there is risk to the upside, and I think the meat will participate to the upside again. I think we'll go higher with meat prices, but the the, the feed is going to definitely go up if we find out this crop isn't here. Lots to look at, lots to see, yet I wish we had a crystal ball, Darren, to be able to see what's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> I wish we did, too, <laughs> that's for sure. What is the best way for folks to get a hold of you guys? us at our toll-free number at 866-249-2528 or they can look me up on twitter at fry underscore wss or on the web at waterstreetconsulting.com and that is the fontanelle final bell just a reminder folks commodity futures and options do involve substantial risk of loss and they're not suitable to all investors the fontanelle final bell being brought to you by fontanelle hybrids and all of your local dealers right here on the rural radio network